Having talked last time about other cultural issues, today we'll continue to learn about intoxication and specifically drinking. God's truth is on the way, and here's Pastor David. Drunkenness is specifically commanded against in the Scripture. There is no way around it, whether it's marijuana or alcohol or another drug, intoxication is forbidden by God. Those who spend their time getting drunk are not using that time to honor God. And this is the important part. They're using that time to honor themselves. It's more important than following God. So as to marijuana, I don't see any use for it that's biblical unless there's some medical reason why you need THC. If that's the case, well then medicine is medicine, right? There's all kinds of things that we have to do for the health of our body. Alcohol, on the other hand, is more complicated because... As with marijuana, I don't see how you can have some without becoming intoxicated. With alcohol, you can, right? Having a drink does not necessarily make you intoxicated. God has commanded us not to be intoxicated. I do not believe he has commanded us not to have a drink. But let me be really, really clear. Please listen. This is important. Some of you need to stop having any drinks because some of you are alcoholics. And it's not as small of a number as I think you would all like. Some of you need to not drink at all. And if you're sitting here right now thinking, oh, he's talking to me specifically, I'm not. There's actually quite a few people in our church that struggle with this. This is one of those things that's sort of the flypaper of the world that you can get stuck on very easily. You get into it for whatever reason, you start partying when you're young, then it becomes self-medication or it becomes something else. Listen, some of you need to not drink at all. Because some of you can't have one drink without having five drinks. Some of you can't have a small glass of wine without having a large bottle of wine. It's just the way it is. Know yourself. Intoxication is a sin. It's not keeping Jesus Christ's commands. If you tell your child, right, you got a kid, you tell your kid not to eat the cookies. Don't eat the cookies. Every day, don't eat the cookies. They're over there. Okay, those are for after dinner or whatever. Don't eat the cookies. But your child keeps eating the cookies. Would you say that child is loving and honoring you? No. No, they're not. But children don't understand things, so we sort of give them a pass and possibly a spanking. But you're not a child. This is important. You're not a child. If Jesus tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're not loving and honoring him. Look, I know this. I have not loved and honored him many times and been chastened and been called back and been given grace wonderful grace. But know who you are and know what you're doing. You're not a child. Listen, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. You're not a child anymore and we need to grow up. I want it. I want it for me. I want it for you. I want it for this church body. We're going to struggle against these things. Our bodies want things that we're going to struggle against. Now I want to read some more scripture here so we can understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ's commands. John 15, 9 through 14. Here we go. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Listen, there was an if there. 
if you keep my commandments. So if we keep his commands, we will abide in his love. He's telling us very clearly what to do. We're to abide in his love. How do we do that? We keep his commands. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Your heart and mind and soul and strength are compromised when we violate this particular command that the Lord has given us about intoxication. How can we say we love him if we think we know better than him? How can we say we love him if we will not keep his commands? And I know, listen, all of us fail to keep his commands. All of us are sinners. All of us need forgiveness. Next, it says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Why is he telling us this? Because he likes to command people around? No. This is for you. He's telling us this so that his joy will remain in us. The joy of Jesus Christ might be full in us. Don't you want that? Don't you want full joy? Isn't that what we go after all these things for anyway? Trying to find a little joy? Trying to find a little happiness? Whatever it might be? You want your joy to be full? Follow his commands. Follow his commands. We want to live in joy. We want to have full joy. Jesus is telling us these things so that we'll have full joy. Not so that we'll feel bad. Verse 12 through 14. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. How has he loved us? Is what he says. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends, which he did for us. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. We are his friends if we do whatever he commands us. If we do not do what Jesus Christ commands us, how can we say we are his friends? Praise God for his grace and his mercy. Because I can tell you right now, I have not acted like a good friend. I haven't acted like a good friend many times. In my life, in the past week, this morning, I want to be his friend. And I know that he says, if I want to be his friend, I need to follow his commands. Look, Jesus loves you. He laid down his life for you. If you're feeling particularly uh, condemned by any of this, that's not the goal. That's not the goal. He loves you. He loves you. But how can our desires for temporary fun or self-medication or whatever it is through intoxication be more valuable than loving him by following his commands? How can that be more valuable than loving God? And we love him by following his commands. If we love God, we will do what he commands. That's what the scripture says. If we love God, we'll love one another. Another reason not to have a lifestyle of intoxication, you are not going to be loving to the people who God has called you to love, if that's the state you're in. This is what a heart for God looks like, loving him. Now, there are at least two reasons not to disobey God's commands. This goes for these things. This goes for what we're going to talk about next week. This goes for anything. One is the natural consequences. Just so you know, God's commands are not arbitrary. Okay, That means he did not grab a quarter. Like God's got a quarter up in heaven. But anyway, let's just imagine. He's found a quarter. He's under the couch or whatever. So he's got a quarter. He goes, let's make, let's make some laws. All right? He's like, okay, first one up. Murder or no murder? Looks like no murder. Put that on the thing. And he went, it's not like that. These are not arbitrary, okay? There are natural consequences because God's commands flow from his holiness and truth and beauty and therefore your benefit. 
They're for your benefit. Now, in the context of drunkenness, if you want to get drunk, well, it's possible you might destroy your life and the lives of your family and your friends. You can destroy your health. You can make terrible decisions. I've done most of those things in my life. I could go on. The point is that there are natural consequences that happen because we are not living according to God's design when we don't follow his commands, according to the way that he created us. There are so many things that we do that violate God's commands or they're sinful that really what we're saying is we don't care how you designed us. We don't care what you told us like we were a child. Kids often think, you don't know, Dad. You don't know. That stove's not that hot. Right? They know everything, but you're not a child. You, you need to know by now that if God has said to do it, it's not to harm you. It's because in the long term, that is what's going to make you thrive. That is what's going to give you joy. You got to follow him. Second reason is the spiritual consequences. You cannot be in sin constantly and be close to the Lord. It's just too hard. It's self-love, not love for God, that you express when you break his commands. That's what I'm expressing when I, when I sin. I'm saying, I love me more than I love you. I got to repent of that. So do you. When you're in sin, especially lifestyle sins, you're going to constantly be hiding your behavior from your brothers and sisters in Christ for fear of accountability. That puts a break between you and the body of Christ and your effectiveness in the body of Christ. The ability to minister to your brothers and sisters, the ability of them to minister to you, it's going to harm your relationships with them, period. Often it causes your family to have to keep secrets. I, if I had a quarter for every time I heard from a husband or a wife, hey, I need to tell you this, but if my wife knew or if my husband knew or if whatever, they'd be really upset that I'm telling you. A lot of times. Some of you are thinking, I thought I was the only one who said that to him. No, it happens. You don't need a false reputation. I don't care. I don't care. What I mean by that is, I know you're not perfect. I love you for you. Everybody in here needs to love each other for each other. Not to be condemning or, oh, you were doing this or you were doing that or whatever. No. Don't try to protect that. Come and find the accountability that you need so that we can live together and help each other. Don't isolate yourself. You will not be able to maintain a close and powerful relationship with Jesus Christ ongoing if you're constantly sowing to body and not to the Holy Spirit with anything. Intoxication is just one of those issues. Look, drinking alcohol is not, a, not the problem, but drunkenness is. And by the way, I'm just going to cut this one off. Please don't ask me questions like, how many should I have? <laughs> you know. You're not a child. You know. If you're impaired, you're having too many. Also, don't give me the, I'm just buzzed. I just get buzzed, not drunk. You're drunk. You're drunk. Okay? I'm not going to play with you. You're not buzzed. You're drunk. Okay? You don't have to be stumbling down the street, slurring your words to be drunk. Okay? We're talking about intoxication impairment. We can't be justifying ourselves with ticky-tack rules. Like, well, I'm just, I'm just a little buzzed. I'm just a little tipsy. There's like all these words to not be able to say, I'm drunk. There's words on the other side too. Uh, you know, some of which I can't repeat in church, but those are just forms of legalism, just so you know, on the other side. When you start having little ticky-tack justifications for what you're doing, I only had a few, but you know that God's called you to have none, or I only had however many, but you know that God only wanted you to have one to honor him. See, this is between you and him. 
how this works. And you can make these ticky-tack rules, which are just another form of legalism. It's okay. This is what the Pharisees did. It's okay to do this, but not to do this. You can swear by the money in the temple, but if you swear by the temple, but if you do this, there's all ways to be able to do what they wanted to do and maintain it. Don't make legalisms. Ask yourself this. Listen to this question. What does loving God through obedience look like in this situation? Not how much can I do? How much can I get away with? Am I still allowed to? Can I do this? No. Ask yourself this. What does loving God through obedience look like? If we ask that question, we can start with our hearts in the right place. Like I said, these are all issues of the heart. Maybe you're the kind of person who can easily have a drink without needing five. You, just, you can just have one. If so, great. You have freedom in Christ to have a drink. Okay? Who's going who's gonna to say anything against that? Well, there are people who will, but they're legalists, okay? You can have a drink. Just be careful you don't use your freedom in Christ in a way that makes your brother or sister in Christ suffer. Let me explain something to you. There is a good percentage of people who can't do that. In this society at this time, for whatever reason, there's a good percentage of people who cannot have just one drink. It's just a problem. There are a good percentage of people who can. Good. They have freedom. Be careful that in your freedom in Christ, you don't harm your brother or your sister. If you know a brother or sister in Christ who struggles with alcohol, for instance probably don't have a drink around them. Something to think about. Romans 14, 17 through 21. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, those things are a lot better. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed pure, but it's evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Some people can't have a drink. Honor them by not putting things in their face. Some people can honor them by not being legalistic to them. Like I said, there's only one rule about this. It has to do with intoxication. The rest of it is a hard issue with you and God. There are people who are called to do certain things. I'll talk, Lord willing, more about this next week. Where you may be called not to maybe watch certain things. You may be called not to drink certain things or eat certain things or whatever. That's fine. Don't put that on somebody else. Don't put that on somebody else. At the same time, you may be free to do certain things. Don't put that in the face of somebody else. At the end of the day, it's about loving each other. Some of us should not drink at all because we're tempted to intoxication. Some of us can have a drink in Christian freedom, but should not partake of alcohol in a way that causes your brother or sister to stumble. That's it. There's no legalism in any of that. That's just heart stuff. That's just honoring God. That's just biblical stuff. We need to honor God in what we do. It's not about legalism. It's not about making lots of rules. It's also not about ignoring sin and allowing just anything to go on. I'm so tired of the idea that people have about the church, that the church has only two gears. Harsh, insensitive, unloving condemnation, and without God's grace, judgment of sin and sinners. Or, wishy-washy, overly nice, enabling, presuming on God's grace, turning a blind eye to sin and sinners. Like those are the only two possibilities. They're not. 
Neither of those are what we're called to do. Listen, God has grace. You are not without hope. If you feel convicted this morning, that's for your good. That God might show his grace to you. There's nothing better than God showing his grace. What a blessing it is. You are people of hope. God is our hope. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. You think God can't heal you from your addiction? He rose from the dead. He can heal you. You think he can't help you stand up under temptation? He promises to do so. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Does that say it's going to be super easy and you never have to think about it? No. It's just saying that if you'll trust him, if you'll sow to the spirit, he'll give you what you need to deal with the temptation. Yes, the temptation is going to come. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person that you're tempted to things. It's common. Men and women are tempted. We're in a fallen world, but he can help you with it. Do you think that the one who tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, do you think he won't do what he said? Because he will. He will do it. God will forgive you today. If you're a Christ follower, I'm your brother in Christ. If you're not a Christ follower, I want you to follow Christ so that I can be your brother in Christ. I'm not here to condemn you about drinking or earrings on dudes or whatever. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. I'm not here to remember your sin or to point it out or make an example of you. I am the example. I'm the chief of sinners. I've had all kinds of these problems and wickednesses and sin, including drunkenness. God has forgiven me and is helping me to continue to grow in him. That's all I want for you. That's all I want for you. I want freedom and joy and peace and relationship with God for you. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in fear and addiction. Give your life to Jesus Christ who loves you and died for you fully. If you're a Christ follower, confess your sin. Repent. He'll be faithful and just to forgive you and make you clean. Clean. For some of us, man, that's like water to a thirsty man in the desert. I can be clean. Yes. You can be clean. You don't just sit here and suffer. He'll help you through it, whatever it is. He loves you. I love you. This church loves you. You don't have to live with the shame. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with any of that. God is here for you this morning. There's a problem with legalism. There's also a problem with enablingism. Those both exist in the church. I'm not going to do either one of those. I'm going to be very honest with you because I know in my own heart what God has had to tell me about these issues. What's serious and what's just legalism. Some of you may be feeling bad because you struggle with some of these things. I've struggled with some of these things. God loves you. He loves you. He wants to heal you. There really is freedom, peace, and healing in Christ. No matter what's gone on in your past, everything can change right now. Yes, right now. Simply ask Jesus to forgive your sins, be your Lord and Savior, and He will. 
And if you have any questions or we can help you make that life-changing decision for Christ, please call us, 360-885-9000. We'd love to help, 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and we'll look for you next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.